Hello, my name is Mike Grain. Welcome to today's podcast on on-shelf availability, hosted by the Conversations on Retail and the University of Arkansas Supply Chain Management Research Center. We are gonna spend some time today talking to leading edge product recognition software providers. Whether you have a robot that is scanning products in a shelf on a store, or you have fixed cameras, or you have a service that allows people to go in with their own devices and take pictures, all of that is requires a ability to be able to say what exactly was seen. Product recognition and in-store condition software does that. And we are very fortunate to be able to see from the leading product recognition software providers. So let's get started with the podcast. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Mike Grain, and it is a pleasure to be with you. We're actually recording this on a Friday afternoon. So for those of you who are joining us live, happy Friday. Uh, we've got a really, really super exciting panel that we're going to spend some time talking with today. Uh, the topic is continuing to be on-shelf availability and specifically being able to use uh, computer vision software product recognition uh, about uh, exploring in-store uh, conditions. So I'm going to go over a couple of kind of things that we want to cover first, and then we're going to introduce our, our tremendous panel who's with us today. Uh, the first thing that I want to kind of walk you through is just a little bit of background on me. I've been in the uh, retail and supplier area for over 40 years. Uh, I've been with both Procter & Gamble, Walmart, and uh, a third-party merchant called Crossmark, uh, and now really work with suppliers and giving back to the University of Arkansas in conversations on retail for you know, information about on-shelf availability kind of capability. So one of the things that I think it's important to know is just kind of what the ground rules are. Um, conversations on retail is helping us to co-host this along with the University of Arkansas. We want this to be very interactive, uh, so we're going to ask you to be prepared to answer questions or ask questions. There's a couple different ways you can do it. One way you can do it is after each section of this questionings that I've already got for these folks, we'll go ahead and come off mute. And if anybody has, wants to act, uh, ask a question live and interactive, you're more than welcome to do that. If you'd rather stay uh, and just uh, be anonymous, you can actually text the actual uh, questions uh, to our, our chat function. And uh, when we get a break, I will certainly ask those as well. Uh, when you're asking a question, we'd ask you to keep the uh, video on, use the chat function. And then we've got, uh, you know, the, the, the obvious thing is we're going to run this under antitrust guidelines. We've got, you know, four incredible companies and leaders who are all basically direct competitors of them, of, of each other but they're all in the same basic space. So the purposes here just is we're not talking about pricing and margins or anything that would look like competitive or antitrust violations. We're looking to educate the industry about this role that this starts. So uh, a couple of things, just, just a couple of introductory things that to kind of set this up. Uh, first off, I want to thank uh, Conversations on Retail. And I know Matt Pfeiffer is actually hosting this as we speak. Uh, Matt's a great resource and Conversations on Retail continues to provide education for suppliers and education for the retail industry around that. So I'd encourage you to, 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 uh, to follow the Conversations on Retail link uh, on retail to, uh, to see more about that, about getting involved with that. And then obviously the University of Arkansas Walton College, which is the number one Gartner supply chain university, a part of the university. Uh, we're real excited to have them post uh, both the audio and video podcast to that. So we appreciate them very much. So a couple of background kind of things. So so this all is about on-shelf availability. And, and we typically will see the Sam Walton quote about making sure you're meeting customers' needs. I actually found this the other day. This is Doug McMillan, who's the CEO of Walmart. And I thought this was pretty, it was very aligned to what Sam Walton was saying, but it's really pretty simple. If you're not meeting the wants and needs of the customers, you're done. There's not a lot of loyalty there. So if customers go in and they want to buy something from a store and the store doesn't have it on the shelf, guess what? They're going to get the product and they're going to find whatever way they can to do that. They're not loyalty to a particular retailer. They're loyalty to the product that they want. Uh, and these are a couple stats we've shared before. I'm not going to read them out loud to you, but basically, if you don't have the product on the shelf or if you have out of stocks or whatever, customers are very resilient. And thank you, you know, Amazon will thank you very much for the additional business of, of pushing folks that way. Um, on shelf availability, and this is why this group is so important, is you look at a four foot section of, of uh, shampoos and conditioners. This happens to be uh, head and shoulders at a Walmart. You obviously see the one 
particular case where you have an out of stock, what you don't see is there's a lot of things like missing labels. Suppliers typically call that distribution void. You've got pricing situations where the price at the register and the price actually uh, at the shelf are different. Uh, and then you have opportunities like plugs. And these guys will sure talk about that, but that's where you have a label, you have the product, but they're different. The product, the product that's there and the label that's there is different. So as you step back and look at it, there's a lot going on with this shelf that's really wrong, but most people will, will only focus on that red box, which is the out of stock. And that's where these guys, I think, really will come into place. Because if you think of a retailer like Walmart, that's got several hundred thousand items and several hundred, thousand, you know, probably thousands and thousands of stores, that's a lot of things that can go wrong. And so we think that in-store conditions and product recognition can play a very important part. And, and I'm going to cover these really, really quickly because I know we've talked about them before, how, about how to measure OSA algorithms. Uh, but in-store audits, uh, in-store audits where somebody's actually going in like a tracks or like a field agent and taking pictures, it's great that you got the pictures. And, and uh, we've actually got Matthew here from tracks going to talk a little bit of what's the behind the scenes sauce that actually turns that picture into information. Then we've got cases like it's uh, shelf scanning robots like Woodman's has. They have a shelf scanning robot that will go into the store and literally scan up and down. But something has to take that information and turn that scanning into something that's actionable, like what, where is the out of stocks or where's the, the plugs. Um, and then a, a couple of other ones that I think are appropriate are things like focal systems and, uh, and some, some of the com companies that we've got like InView and focal systems and SES Omega tag who have fixed readers, same thing. I've got a fixed camera that's taking a picture, something behind the scenes has to take that information and go, okay, what's out of stock, what's incorrectly priced, et cetera. So all three of those I think are very relevant to the conversation we're to have to have. Cause what we're going to talk about now is, okay, what does this data capture mechanism, whether it's a robot or a fixed camera or somebody doing an audit in a store, we got to do something with that and, and point out what the issues are. And that's what this group is going to talk to you about uh, going forward. So without further ado, let me go ahead and introduce this group and we're going to have them unmute uh, and uh, give themselves an introduction. We'll just do it in the order that we've got here. Um, we'll give them a, a few minutes to give them an introduction, a little bit about their company. A couple of them have sent some slides, so we'll I'll, I'll advance those when you're ready. But uh, the first one is Anon from uh, Infolect. And uh, wow, uh, I believe it's um, what, you know, almost 12 o'clock midnight on a Saturday. Um, you get the you get the travel, the first the, the hardest travel award. Congratulations. Go ahead and unmute yourself and uh, tell us about yourself and your company, please. Great. Uh, thank, thank you, Mike and Matt, for arranging this uh, um, podcast. Uh, I mean, I've listened to some of these before, and I'm quite excited to be part of this panel. Uh, my name is Anand Subramanian, and I'm uh, the co-founder and CEO at Infilect. Uh, Infilect is a retail intelligence company. Uh, we specialize in uh, computer vision and image recognition technology and help global CPG companies and retailers with in-store retail execution insights. Uh, so primarily, uh, we work with visual data uh, and then uh, convert the visual data into intelligence and actions that uh, uh, that that can that that can uh, be uh, taken in the stores so that the reps can uh, improve the in-store execution. Um, as the slide says, uh, we are a visual intelligence platform, right, for the worldwide uh, CPG brands and retailers. Uh, Mike, just move on to the next slide, please. Um, yeah. Uh, so just a quick understanding about uh, the problem that Mike just uh, uh, introduced, right? OSA, on-shelf availability and in-store execution. Uh, pretty much every CPG supplier uh, would want to understand what exactly is happening in thousands of retail outlets where their products are placed. A uh, lot of these uh, CPG suppliers have been using traditional manual audits, right? I mean, all of us know it is uh, um, a slow, a uh, lot of human errors can happen and uh, uh, not very efficient. Right. So we uh, uh, work in the space of uh, completely transforming this audit process into a simple click and go process uh, and use image recognition technology to uh, help the CPG suppliers, retailers and even merchandising companies to understand and execute uh, in-store execution in a better way. Yeah. Thank you so much. Got it. Uh, maybe I'm next. Um, yep. Correct. 
Um, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Uh, and thank you, Matt, for organizing this, um, this um, podcast. Really appreciate it and glad to be a part of it. Um, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everybody, uh, wherever you are. Uh, I am Angam, co-founder and CEO of Parallel Dots. Um, at Parallel Dots, we are building a computer vision platform uh, for CPGs and retailers globally. Um, so essentially, um, a very similar problem statement uh, that Anand just talked about. Um, we, again, work with the global CPG brands um, and retailers to help them understand what their visibility is on the retail shelves, help them minimize their out-of-stock, help them uh, maximize their um, OSA numbers, uh, their, their compliance numbers in general. Uh, we do it by analyzing pictures of retail shelves by parsing them through our proprietary computer vision algorithms um, through which we can determine important uh, retail execution KPIs such as, you know, of course, on-shelf availability, share of shelf, planogram compliance, pricing compliance, those kind of things. And um, we also help um, our clients adopt these solutions at a large scale so that they also start getting benefits, um, you know, such that it either increases their, their sales or decreases their cost, helping them improve their um, their uh, their numbers, um, right? So we also uh, focus a lot on that aspect. Awesome. <clears throat> Ranesh, you're next. Thank you, Mike. Hi, hi good morning, good afternoon, uh, good evening, everyone. This is Ranesh here, co-founder for snap to insight we are headquartered in Portland, Oregon, and again, uh, operating the same space, uh, a retail analytics provider, leveraging AI and computer vision to help CPG suppliers and retailers to measure and improve their shelf execution. Uh, we also operate in the space of helping uh, some of the big suppliers to do uh, space surveys, uh, which is in some sense a precursor to space planning and followed by space uh, retail execution. So uh, we we today use AI and computer vision to help uh, these suppliers mostly, and sometimes their uh, third-party merchandisers or brokers or their distributors who go into stores um, to better execute against their plan. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what we do again using computer vision and image recognition technology. Nice to meet everyone here. Awesome. Thank you, Rinesh. Last but not least, Mr. Green, Matt, want to yeah. unmute and tell us about yourself and your company? Yes, thank you. Uh, thanks, Mike, for organizing this. And thanks to Anand, Angam, and Rinesh for your contributions to what I consider a, a really, really cool field. Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys about our perspective from tracks uh, in artificial intelligence and image recognition. Um, this panel, I think, is going to be an awesome way for all of us to learn from each other. Uh, and I'm really excited kind of for the next steps. Um, our companies are really aimed at the same main objectives. I won't bore you guys and uh, tell you exactly what it is that we're out to solve. But in a nutshell, it's optimizing your in-store field execution using artificial intelligence. Um, I've been with Trax for about five years. Uh, I came to Trax by way of an acquisition in 2018. Um, and prior to that, worked at a company called Curie, uh, which kind of was one of the early pioneers of in-store crowdsourcing. Uh, previous to that, uh, started in CPG at Nielsen, uh, learned a lot about what customers were looking for in-store uh, and that there was a real market need in this industry. Um, and as I said, I'm really excited to talk to you about um, what it is that we've learned since then. Um, if you wouldn't mind, Mike, just advancing next slide. So a little bit about our company. Um, we have a very global reach, uh, but we like to think it's very local impact. Um, we are in over 90 countries worldwide. Uh, our America's headquarters where I live is in Denver, Colorado. Our R&D headquarters is in Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we have uh, a couple of companies that we have acquired over the over the years, one of which is where I came from, that have really allowed us to look at retail execution, not just as AI, but as kind of an end-to-end -end service model. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a sec. Um, next slide, Mike. Oops, sorry. Yeah, so we work with 30 of the top 50 CPGs or thereabout. Um, and as I mentioned, kind of partner Globally, uh, you know, we, we, we feel like our global reach and impact is definitely something that many CPGs of this side need. Uh, next slide. 
And this just gives you a little bit of understanding of kind of what our core technology does. So we have really two main components. Um, we do pr production or I guess image processing of a shelf in the cloud. We also have on-device recognition, um, both of which are kind of served for uh, the purpose of a certain use case, whether it is a customer that is in field that is trying to be more accurate and efficient with their day, or whether it's a headquarter call that needs more information, more understanding of what's going on in the field. Um, we have two kind of primary methods of recognizing uh, the SKUs that are on a shelf. Uh, next slide, Mike. What happens here, and there's there's a bit of a build, is these images come back. Um, they are then stitched together through our engine. Um, and you can see, basically simulate what's going on in an aisle, allowing anybody from a headquarter perspective or a field perspective to see uh, exactly what's, what's happening in that aisle. And part of the value of this is putting together disaggregate images that come in from the field and turning it into a real picture so you could virtually see, walk, and kind of understand what's happening in, in multiple different you know, regions, cities, countries, globally. Um, and it leads to a very cool experience. And finally, next slide. And then obviously one of the most important things, if not the most important thing about uh, our company is we try to take all of this information and turn it into a really translatable asset for you to react to. Um, and I think that if you talk to any of the other panelists here, they would say the same thing, that data is, uh, you know, information overload is a real thing right now. And if you can't translate that to something that matters for uh, the customer to make a real decision on, then you're probably not serving as much of a purpose as you need to. And last slide, Mike. I want to just talk a little bit about where we're seeing uh, image recognition going, and I'm sure this will come out kind of in the further panel discussion, but We'd like to think of image recognition tracks as a backbone, um, almost a commodity of what's going on in store. And the value of image recognition today is very different than the value of what it was uh, five years ago, 10 years ago, when it was a very new early stage technology. Um, so of course it's the table stakes. You need to do, uh, you need to annotate what's going on in the store, but what really matters is what you're doing to react to it. So we've very much invested from a company perspective in building an on-demand flexible labor source that actually executes on the results of image recognition to close holes as quickly as you know a customer needs them to be when a shelf is not looking like it needs to. Um, and then also we're investing very much in shopper activation. Mike made a comment earlier about changing consumer behavior and how that's a real thing, how if a product is not on the shelf, you're almost instantly going to lose them to a competitor. Um, and we're very much focusing on maintaining consumer relevance through a shopper activation field force that, again, both of these technologies are leveraging image recognition uh, to maximize what's happening in store. And again, that's a little bit about tracks. I'm looking forward to the next stage of the discussion. Awesome. Thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it. I'm going to I'm going to leave these particular um, um, things up here because what you'll see is QR codes for each one of their LinkedIn profiles. If you have any questions that you want to ask specifically to one of them, um, then that'll give the, the, the folks on, on the line uh, opportunity to do that. Got several questions here, but actually I think some of you guys have already answered them. So I'm going to do some combination little questions here, which is the role of computer vision. Okay. You've shown me what you've done, but what are the real things that you're trying to solve? What are you guys solving for? And the second kind of follow-up question is, who is the customer? Is this a retailer that wants to know how they're doing? Is it a brand owner or a CPG company that wants to know how they're doing it? Is it a third-party merchandiser? What exactly, so what is it doing? And then exactly who your customer is. And I'll, I'll just I'll just open it up for all of you guys and, and just uh, come off mute and, and uh, try and address that question. Okay, I, I can take the first question. Um, um, I think uh, computer vision, again, is, is a means to uh, uh, generate uh, or digitize the data that we generate from, from these stores. Uh, uh, and uh, the, the, the most of the value comes from the data, right? Uh, and the data that is uh, coming out of this algorithms is uh, needs to be analyzed and insights and actions need to be generated. And that is where the key is. And uh, it is, again, uh, just measuring the data is not going to help anyone, right? I mean, it's probably the first step, but 
taking the data, taking the insights and actually making them into actions and then executing them in the store is what is going to help uh, suppliers or retailers or even the uh, the merchandising agencies that you mentioned uh, to improve their outcomes, right? Uh, so that is where I feel. Uh, and but, but computer vision is a great tool. Uh, it has uh, tremendously improved the overall process of collecting retail execution data from, uh, uh, from stores, right? Because of all the automation and the accuracy uh, uh, advantages it brings in. Right. So that is my thought. So, so what I heard you say is it allows you to understand what's going on in store. And I heard, well, I think I heard you say is both retailers, CPG, brand owners and merchants, merchandisers, potentially are customers of this. There are probably different ways that it is collected that we'll get to in a second, but all of them want to know what, what, is, what is exactly going on on the retail shelf. Anybody else have any builds to that? Yeah, maybe I can add something to it. So yeah, I, I completely agree with Anand on this, you know, and um, what we have seen from our experience is that um, there's so many different uh, players who can who can benefit from it, right? Um, we have mm -hmm. seen, uh, well, CPGs were our first clients to begin with, and of course, there's a clear value prop for them, right? How they can um, make their sales reps or their, or their agent field reps, you know, more efficient. But we have seen increasing interest from retailers and all format retailers, be it from the largest supermarkets, hypermarkets, to even convenience store chains all across the globe, being interested in this where their primary objective being they want to reduce out of stock. They want to increase their availability and reduce out of stock. And to also merchandising agencies all across the globe, they have seen, they have also, they're also realizing that how they can save their reps while they're in the stores right and make the entire piece entire supply chain um, much more efficient right um and everybody benefits from it right not just retailer the cpgs and agencies everybody benefits from it so this is this has been what um and merchandising agencies and retailers i'm seeing increasing adoption from from these two different players gotcha. I, I would agree with everything you just said i mean i, I think we look at it like this is a really, really dynamic industry where consumer behavior is changing on the fly. Um, and, and honestly, merchandising behavior is changing on the fly too. Um, if you're walking, at least in the US, if you're walking around a retail store, even during peak shopping hours, it is not a strange thing anymore to see uh, five different people and five different badges doing five different things at any given time, merchandising really in real life. And our goal is to make sure that um, we are informing that merchandising activity on behalf of a brand with the most updated, relevant in-store condition uh, information as possible so that we can put a product on shelf for uh, on behalf of that brand or the merchandiser can put, can put a product on shelf on behalf of that brand um, with as minimal downtime as possible. Um, talking a little bit about changing consumers, uh, Mike, you made a comment at the beginning that is so spot on that if, if a product is not on shelf, the consumer will not be brand loyal and they will pick something else. And anytime that that experience happens to your everyday shopper, the brand is, is basically missing an opportunity to keep a customer. And there's a decent chance that they're going to find something else in real time and ultimately make a different decision that could impact their, their behavior in the, in the you know, future purchasing. So we aim to make all of that a more seamless process Make sure that all of those merchandisers that are always running around the store, especially now, have the right information to merchandise in a really effective way. Great. So I, I want to Pradesh, add go, one. Mike. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Manish. Yeah. That's good to call yeah, you I, next. I kind of, yeah, agree with all the points that I heard here. Um, uh, one thing that we also um, started to notice is that uh, using the power of computer vision, we are able to see uh, the shelf conditions, but uh, we also see a role for technology to help the merchandiser or the field rep to take that next best action at the shelf. Right? How can we reduce their cognitive load uh, using technology, uh, suggesting the next best alternative in terms of uh, which product is stocked if the shelf has an out of stock, right? Uh, how to make uh, real-time decisions, right? Uh, without uh, and without data, it's very very difficult, right? And uh, sometimes. The folks at the shelf are, uh, in some sense, uh, not that skilled to be able to take those uh, heavy cognitive load, um, and they are sometimes working against very aggressive timelines, right? Of uh, covering many stores across several categories, right? So, uh, how do we enable them to take those right decisions on the shelf? Just like we are helping a shopper uh, 
to take those right shopping decisions, right? So uh, we, yeah. we see that as an adjacent extension to what we do uh, in addition to looking at how the shelf is. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Great answers from all of you. I'll put a couple of you on the spot here, Matthew. I'm going to start with you. How are these images collected? Obviously, what your model is somebody go in the store, whether it's a retailer or merchandising or brand or take a picture. We also talked about earlier about robotic cameras, or I'm sorry, shelf scanning robots, in-store fixed cameras, et cetera. What's the most predominant way you see today the images being captured? And do you think that's going to change over time? Yeah, it's a really good question. Thank you. Um, you know, I think the most predominant method uh, certainly will change, but from my perspective, it is still human with uh, a mobile application and okay. that, you know, that human is somewhat agnostic. It could be someone from uh, a mobile crowd, right? Someone that has an app that you are uh, signed up that is using, you know, to, to go in store, get paid and collect collect data. It could be a merchandiser themselves. It could be someone from a traditional uh, broker like Advantage, like Crossmark, like Acosta, like any of the above, um, or it could be an actual sales rep. And so that is certainly from Trax's perspective, where most of our business is, is with a human using a mobile application, but the human might kind of look and feel very different based off of, um, based off of you know, who they work for and how they work. Now, going forward, um, we also have fixed cameras uh, that has been part of our company strategy for some time. And the holy grail is to basically have this action done um, through, you know, th through not having humans, whether that's a drone, whether that's a camera, whether that's a dog that walks down the aisle with, you know, a, a phone attached to them. Um, there's, there's a lot of need for automation and continued automation in space to make sure that the cost of data collection is as low as it needs to be for a technology like this to really scale and make sense for our customers. Does that answer your question, Mike? A hundred percent. Yeah, because, you know, labor, whether it's some a merchandiser or a brand owner or retailer, you really want those folks actually taking action on the output of your solution and not being a data collection device, if at all possible. So exactly. I believe shell scan. I don't know about the drone thing. I don't know if I want to get buzzed in the store with a drone taking pictures, but I get your point. And I've never seen a dog with a camera on it. That could happen, I suppose. But to me, certainly seeing shell scanning robots that are very prevalent on in the industry is certainly fixed cameras, starting to see more and more of that technology. Uh, and then, okay, I got all these pictures now. What do I do with them? Which is was part of your pieces. Uh, Ranesh, question for you. Um, so how does this processing occur? Is it like feed you feed all these pictures into something and you guys crank on it for over the weekend and on monday morning you give me the results or you know what is what is actually the processing behind the scenes look like in this thing yeah um thanks mike again um, um let me take this uh, in two parts right like um where does processing happen right uh, today uh, i think like others mentioned like these pictures are being captured uh, by different types of uh, endpoints, whether it's a device, whether it's reps phone, whether it's shelf edge camera or shelf scanning. And with the recent advances in this, in the compute capability of these devices, what we are seeing is uh, technology is able to do a lot of these, uh, the heavy lifting uh, on the device, uh, which helps us avoid network transfer cost and giving faster results, right? So we see that the processing itself is uh, moving more and more closer to where the action is happening. Right? Uh, and when you look at uh, how does it happen, these images are being processed by computer vision technology where you're trying to extract features uh, of what we see in those images and then compare against what is expected. right? And that helps uh, give actionable information, whether it is comparing against the distribution list expected or whether it's a planogram where, for example, if you have a ProSpace file, for a particular shelf, can you can compare against that. In certain cases, for a supply, you're trying to measure against their contracts for a contract compliance, like uh, a supplier has a particular contract with a particular chain, you're looking for compliance against that. So there are different aspects of shelf execution that is uh, being compared against uh, with the data that we've extracted from the images. So that's, okay. that's the processing part, right? Got it. So let me let me ask you guys, I want to go back to a slide that I shared before. It's it's this one here that basically kind of lays out 
the different challenges, and there's probably more. I mean, just to be clear, there's probably more. But as you look at this thing, what kind of data and, and images and information do you need to basically tell a retailer or a brand owner, I see a label and I see no product, there's obviously an on-shelf availability issue. What what data do you practically need to be able to do that? I'll start with you, Anand. What data do we need uh, for, for your algorithm to be able to tell us that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the basic information is uh, the master data from the brand or uh, or the, for the category, right? Uh, so what are the products that need to be recognized? Because AI is in a state where it needs to be still taught, right? To understand what product is what. So it, there is some right. kind of master data that is required. Uh, of course, images from the shelf, uh, um, uh, which, is, which is basically the images that we capture from the stores. Uh, with just these two set of data, uh, algorithms can be customized uh, and, and they can be as, as accurate as, uh, uh, as as ground truth, right? Like like a human would see it. Uh, these are the two set of information. Uh, and as, as we go uh, uh, work with more and more customers, we see that the amount of data that is needed from the customers is uh, uh, is, is not a lot, right? A, a, a set of pictures from the stores as well as the master data from the customer uh, is, is typically what is needed to uh, customize algorithms which are very accurate and that can digitize these uh, visual images from the stores and then generate data out of it. Okay, so you need a picture of the shelf and you need a really good quality product database that you can match it up against and go, yeah, that's a problem. Is that which that, that one here you're saying? That All right, so if we expand that beyond this and, and I'm gonna put Matt on the spot now, pricing. This one is very important. There are some places in places like New York and New Jersey, if there is not a match of compliance, retailers can get fined a lot of money because the price at the register and the price at the shelf doesn't match. So in addition to what 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 uh, Anand just mentioned, what else do you need to be able to be able to say there's a, a pricing discrepancy? Yeah, so uh, pricing is, is probably one of the most, I don't know if the group agrees with me here, but from my perspective, one of the most misunderstood components of image recognition. Um, OCR technology has been around for a long time, mm -hmm. and one would think that you could use OCR technology to basically um, validate or invalidate a price fairly easily, and then correlate that back to what SKU is available or is not. Um, and that's that's true to an extent. The reality is, though, is that especially kind of because we're working with customers that are in a lot of different places of the world. And if you really look at pricing at some of the smaller um, stores like bodegas, let's use your example of New York City, there's a lot of handwritten prices. There's a lot of <laughs> things that are not easy to recognize even for the human eye. So I'll start by just saying that pricing, while the technology is there, the real kind of special sauce is uh, using the price, getting it at scale, and then correlating it to the product within uh, the photo that it comes back that really is is a hard thing to master. And it's something that um, when you start looking at a lot of images, it becomes very real and apparent that pricing is not as simple as you might think. So that, that's the first point. Um, the second point that I would say is that we, we use pixelation uh, to basically determine where the price is and where the product should be to then create almost a an artificial link to what that hole actually is. And that's how we would tell a customer what the hole on the shelf is, is through basically correlating hole with price and then how close in proximity it is. And then obviously there are processes around, you know, quality assurance and cleansing that make sure that, you know, that's working effectively. Um, but to answer your question, Mike, pr price is an enormously impactful thing, and mm -hmm. it tells a real story when things are priced correctly or incorrectly that, um, you know, becomes a lot of value to uh, a brand and then also a retailer to see at scale. Got it. Perfect. And now I'm going to put you on the spot. Plugged item. Plugged item basically says there is a label, there is a product but your tool is going to tell me that that product is not the right product for the shelf. And that causes two problems. Number one, the product's not on the shelf. Number two, when the person comes to stock that product, because it finally shows up, they go to stock it and they can't find out where it's supposed to go because somebody put something else in the way. So what data do you need uh, to be able to say that item is a plugged or an incorrect item, or sometimes they call it, you know, they, they've expanded the facings of it. What do you need to be able to accurately tell that to a retailer or a CPG company? 
yeah so the, the image of the shelf uh, from the image of the shelf itself the pricing stickers can be decoded like like how matt was mentioning using ocr technology of course there are challenges because these stickers are very small and handwritten sometimes in some of the stores these are not very uh, in standard format right uh, but i think the two inputs that are needed is uh, the rec recognizing the sticker as well as recognizing the product that is plugged right so uh, and and then match them together because the the sticker usually has the sku name as well as the price right and and the product recognition will tell what is the exact product that is placed there and using both of these information we can identify whether it's a plugged item or not right and these are the two sets of information and 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 again uh, uh, with with computer vision just by scanning the shelf uh, these two uh, uh, in, informations are extracted automatically with algorithms and then compared and then these alerts can be generated got it perfect all right ingam the last one is probably the hardest one <laughs> so I figured I'd leave the last one to you. So these yellow boxes basically say the product is not there, nor is the label there. So there okay. is supposed to be a label there that is not there. It got skipped. In right. addition to the picture of the shelf, what do you need from the retailer to be able to say there is a distribution void or there's a missing label that, that should be there that's not? No, I think um, there's not other input required from the retailer, we need to, the, the, the CV to the computer vision technology needs to be smart enough to identify gaps in the images, right? To understand that, okay, there is supposed to be um, a product here. There is supposed to be an SQ here, but there's a big gap, the, particularly the red one that you see, right? Uh, the out of stock box that you see, it's it, the CV technology needs to be smart enough to identify that gap and also see that there is no price label beneath that, right? The first step when you're doing pricing is to segment each and every price tag written, right? Once you segment only, then you read it. So if there is nothing to segment, you know that there is no price tag. And ultimately you tell that, okay, this is just an empty space. There, there's supposed to be something and nobody knows what's supposed, what's supposed to be there, right? So you can go to the planogram image and try to figure out what uh, could be here. But otherwise, you know, you, you have to detect the empty space and the missing label that there is no missing label to come up with this information. Yep. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit, and then just, just to let the audience know, this will be the, my last kind of question uh, before I kind of open it up for any questions you guys might have on this kind of section. Every one of you have mentioned product database in one way, shape, or form. You got to have a product database that you're matching it to. Talk to us about that, because my sense is each one of you are probably using your own product database. You're expecting it from the retailer or the CPG owners. I would imagine that this is probably one of the biggest challenges in your space, which is brands spend millions of dollars a year just changing packaging to make it look like new and improved, right? So how in the world, and you certainly get products while this particular example is very clean, you'll get things turned to the side, you'll get things knocked down, you get all those other kinds of issues that you have to deal with. Talk to us about the importance of a product image library to be able to do this kind of work. And you know, what's the roadmap in the future look like for product, product databases? Sure, maybe I can go first. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so this is, um, as you rightly said, this is a huge problem, right? To maintain um, the product library and almost to a certain extent, it's a moving goalpost, right? It's, you're never going to achieve that, right? Every time there's a new SKU, you can achieve it for a particular region, but then you move to another market and then again, there are new SKUs, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a big challenge. I think this, to a certain extent, can be solved using um, AI technology, how strong your AI technology is, particularly how much data do you require when you want to train your AI, right? If you require thousands and thousands of shelf photos, it's going to be a nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. If you require only a few um, tens of shelf photos, the problem becomes much more manageable. But what you're always trying to do, you're trying to manage the problem, right? Unless somebody can form a universal database, which can be applicable everywhere. Another thing to do this, and this is something that we have been doing with other clients as well, is to have very deep integrations with the clients, right? So the moment there's a new SKU uh, or a new packaging of a particular SKU, right? You quickly get it within your database and you can start training it, right? So this is something which has been helping us where we have really integrated our technology with their, um, with their databases to ensure that we, are, we always remain aware of what's the latest SKU is. And ultimately what you also need to do is really reduce your AI training time so you cannot take weeks to train your AI because by then 
the packaging will change again, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to be on your toes. It should happen within a matter of a few days, if not hours, right? And um, and then you know you should be start. You should start delivering a very high level of accuracy right on day one because you know that's when the value. That's when the client will get the value, right? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, one point, I mean, um, um, adding to what Angam mentioned, uh, new product launches as well as custom design changes are definitely uh, happening and they happen at different rates with different customers and also depends on the channel as well, right? Uh, So integrating into the customer database uh, or understanding their launch calendars uh, can give a heads up, right? So that is one of the key ways we also try to understand what is going to come, right? And usually brands have a launch calendar, uh, like what are the new SKUs? Is there going to be a combo pack or some kind of an offer, right? All these uh, are planned by the point uh, by the by the suppliers, right? Uh, or, or or even by the retailers. So with that uh, uh, and, and then very very sophisticated algorithms, uh, then these can be handled in a in a in a better way, uh, right? Uh, another approach is uh, there are I mean algorithms are now smart enough to identify some of the new products that are appearing on the shelf, uh, which uh, they have not been trained at trained for right uh, so let's say there are some 10 skus of head and shoulder here and then the, suddenly we see uh, 11th or 12th sku uh, uh, algorithms can pick and say that this is something new right so uh, uh, so we sometimes go proactively to the customer and say hey, hey these is something that's, these are some a couple of SKUs that we are seeing new in the in the field do you do you want to add them to the through the recognition right and then they come back and say yeah these are some new launches and then uh, yes of course right and then, and then we start tracking them so there are multiple ways in which uh, 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 new product launches as well as design changes can be handled and definitely uh, the technology is very sophisticated now to handle these uh, pretty much uh, with, a, with a very fast response time. Yeah. I would agree with everything that's been said. This is a huge, um, I don't really want to call it a pain point, but I think it's something that if an image recognition CV solution does not take it super seriously, then they'll fall behind against technology and and, and others that are um, one of the, the most valid points about why having a updated image library and master database is so important is because when you have the right information at a skew by skew level, and you can recognize in the photo exactly what that skew is, you can then tie back very interesting custom attributes to basically what will build the end outcome or KPI for a customer. And in order to do that, you have to tag it at a SKU level. In order to tag it correctly at a SKU level, you need to have the right image to train on. So exactly like what these guys said, um, I think the solve right now is through creating you know, more autonomous processes within our individual companies that will allow for you know, a certain queue to be created of things that need to be looked at and retrained as possibly a design variant um, and, and acting on that as quick as you humanly can the long-term, you know, big utopia for this industry is an updated, relevant master syndicated database that you know everyone can look at as the source of truth, and that just doesn't exist right now. So, yeah, great point. I mean, it feels a little bit like you guys are almost differentiating yourself based upon the quality of your product recognition library, um, which is great, I suppose. But honestly, that to me is not the secret sauce. I'd much rather you be focusing on different ways to look at the same problem and solve different problems. I, I wonder if there was uh, some kind of industry and industry standard would be better. I, I'm going to open it up to a guy by the name of Mike Price, who always has really tough questions. This mic is easy on you guys, but Mike Price, I'll give it to you. He's going to give it to you. And he's also running on European time. So he's probably uh, a, a couple, a couple of uh, hours away from sleeping too. So Mike, I'm going to open it up to you. Hopefully you'll be able to talk if I've given you the permission to talk. So go ahead and uh, unmute and uh, ask your question for us. Thanks, Mike. I'm, I'm sure you, I'm surprised you haven't banned me from your sessions with the questions that I've been asking over the weeks. I, I keep, I keep saying disinvite, but it doesn't do it. It just comes <laughs> back and gives me more questions. So you're it's okay. Um, you always ask great questions, Mike. Well, speak to the guys that stay in front because they've managed to disable me from all their webinars. Anyway, moving on, <laughs> mo- mo- moving on. I'm never, I'm never, I never get knocked off of theirs. Uh, anyway, moving on. So my question to you guys is, I've been involved with this or was involved with this when I was at Unilever since 2014. There's a lot of you in the space. Now, I, I keep a list and I've got 43 partners, as I would call you, on my list across mobile, um, fixed cameras and robotic solutions. So my question is, how the hell do you stand out and what makes you different? What is your USP? Because 
most CPGs go through a pitch of five or six potential partners, and it's really difficult. So that's my question. Thanks, Mike. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I told you he was going to ask you the tough questions. Please <laughs> do me a favor and don't differentiate yourself via price because I don't want to get into antitrust things. But what is your what is your point of differentiation? I think that's a very fair question. Uh, we'll start. Uh, Ranesh, why don't you go ahead and kick it off? Yeah, so I think um, I think uh, like like we all agree here, um, the ability to uh, kind of get the uh, training right in a very cost effective way is one of the biggest challenges in this industry, right? So uh, we talked about master data, uh, about products, uh, master of images, right? So we we differentiate ourselves being being able to train up data uh, through both stock images that we, for example, what we see on an Amazon product listing and real world shelf images, right? So it's a mix of both uh, stock images and real world images that helps us to be very up to date when it comes to being able to recognize products through our models. And at, that also gives you to actually differentiate yourselves when it comes to uh, cost that you can offer, because uh, the moment you can train up uh, without too much of real world images, which are costly to acquire, especially the long tail part of it, like I think Angam was talking about it, you go to any new market, any new part of the country, you are going to hit new products in the same category that you're operating, right? So how do you minimize that and be able to give a very cost-effective solution? So that is one, right? Where we have built our platform to be able to use stock images uh, along with real shelf images to make training faster and cost-effective, right? The second is how fast can your system do, do the recognition and then suggest the next best action, right? So we, we again differentiate ourselves on speed, right? For some of the largest uh, snack manufacturer in the world, uh, we, we we audit about 300,000 stores and a million fixtures of there. And today we are able to get the results back to them in under 30 seconds uh, for every fixture that they audit. Right? So speed, again, speed to uh, speed to results. Right. That is the second part that where we differentiate. So those are, I would say, two pillars on which we differentiate in terms of being uh, fast to be able to train up and and cost-effective. And the second is being very fast uh, at the shelf to be able to give that recommended next best action to the rep who is standing in front of the shelf um, to fix the issues of the shelf. Awesome. Anand, you want to go next? What differentiates you? Yeah. I mean, I, I would have told the same thing that what Rene should have said. <laughs> I, I, I would, I, I would, I mean, uh, assume that what uh, Matt as well as Angam was also going to say the same thing. <laughs> so I think the key key here is, uh, um, uh, of course, uh, I think there are different levers in which uh, we try to stand out, right? For example, uh, speed at which we can uh, customize the algorithms and then get things rolling, right? Uh, uh, as well as the, the next best action part and there are a lot of these key things that are there uh, but i think the differentiating factor will be uh, to what degree uh, we are able to do right and i think that is where I mean, if you ask feature by feature i think anybody any one of us can build the feature that is not there with any one of us right it's not a major thing but at what quality and 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 what precision you are giving it right and and then uh, i think that is one the other interesting part i would add i mean maybe others would also say that that's the differentiation is on the operations part it's not just the image recognition capability alone, right? How do we operationalize this? How do we scale this? And then how do we make it into a, 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 a product that the CPG uh, stakeholders are able to ingest into their regular systems, right? Because uh, unless we uh, do this in a, in a very seamless way, it becomes hard for them to ingest the data. And then it just becomes a data over, overload, right? How are we going to help them to uh, ingest this into their day-to-day -day operations and then help them uh, take, take action? So these are some of the key things that we focus on because we see that of course image recognition like i told in the beginning is it's just a means to an end right but that helps us to get things uh, uh, in a faster accurate way uh, but uh, on top of that uh, definitely there are a lot of other aspects uh, in terms of operations in terms of the analytics capabilities and other things that differentiate uh, us yeah awesome great perspective great perspective angam parallel dots talk to talk to us what's the differentiator for you yeah and you know just to um, as, as Mike Price said, right, there are 43 companies uh, in his radar building the same thing and the market is crowded, right? So um, technology too can only be a differentiator to a certain extent, right? And for, for the customers today, 
it's incredibly hard to differentiate on the basis of technology. For them, every vendor is essentially the same tech, right? Um, so while, of course, we focus a lot on the things that, you know, Anand said and Anish said and uh, on the tech side, um, but to build on, on what Anand said further, right, um, there's more to it than just a technology piece, right? Um, we have seen a lot of our clients really struggle piece all these things together when it comes to retail execution. There are different technologies here, right? Uh, you're talking about computer vision. You're talking about, you know, their field operations. You're talking about their EPOS data. You're talking about so many different pieces here. Ultimately, everything should combine together and result in something which helps the client increase their sales or reduce their cost, right? It all boils down to two things. And that's where, you know, our approach has, we have, we have been trying to understand the requirement of our client in a little better way and trying to forge our approach in a way which helps them get this benefit, right? It's rather than just selling technology now, we are trying to sell sort of um, this, the, our, our understanding as well, that we understand this space and we're going to help you make these, these changes uh, in the way you do retail execution and image recognition is a part of it. So it's more of a consultative approach now that, that we are effectively choosing um, to, to take with our, to our customers. So that I think is turning out to be a small differentiator in this crowded space for now. Gotcha. All right. Last but not least, I, I know what Matt's going to say. <laughs> I think. We'll Matt, see. what's your differentiator? Yeah. So I guess everybody is, is spot on with what they're saying. Um, and I think the question, Mike, was a really, really good one. Um, you know, we know from, from a tracks perspective, we know and accept that IR, image recognition, computer vision is a known commodity and is very much advanced in the last 10 or 12 years. It wasn't always this way, but it, it certainly is now. And I mean, all you have to do is talk about the 43 competitors to, to tell you that it's clearly there and there's there's a very saturated market. So what we, from a company perspective, have aimed to do is to not think of ourselves just as a computer vision provider, but as an end-to-end tech-enabled solution that drives and aims to drive an enormous ROI for our customers using our service. And what does that mean? It means that we don't wanna just tell you what's on the shelf or not on the shelf. And we don't even wanna just tell you what you should do based on what's on the shelf. We wanna make sure that you have um, the ability to leverage a one-stop shop to understand what's going on in the market, in the stores, on the shelf, and then also close the gaps as you need to. Um, merchandising as a whole is extremely ROI driven and any change to a service or a service model with merchandisers needs to come with a very accelerated return. So said differently, um, if there is someone that wants to change their in-store execution practice, they need to prove to their own company that they're going to drive an increase in sales lift. And we believe that our ability to recognize a gap on the shelf and then close it in a very cost-efficient, expedited manner with our labor resources and merchandising resources is our true differentiator. Mm. We also, I would say, have a, a very global presence. So it's it's a pretty compelling conversation for someone at a brand's headquarters to look across 50 different markets at once and measure or kind of metricize how their perfect store looks in execution and at scale. Um, and that's something that, you know, we've seen a lot of success with some of our biggest customers where they can basically point and click across different geographies and tell a very different story than, than they have before. And then, you know, last but not least, we do have a couple of very tailored packages based off of our 12, 12 and a half, 13 years in the industry, where we know we've taken a lot of best practices from customers that keep telling us the same thing in different ways about what it is that they want to see in store and how they can execute differently or what they need. And we've built uh, packages and solutions around that where we think it's kind of leading with industry expertise um, because a lot of people are saying the same thing. So yep. great. Awesome. Y'all did well and you did it without fighting. That's awesome. That's exactly what we're hoping for. Appreciate that. No, right, I've, I've great, got great panelists. Yeah. I got two more questions and I'm going to open it up for any other questions that people have. Cause we've got uh, about seven minutes left. The first question is kind of a two-parter. Um, there's a lot, we've had a lot of podcasts on here from people who like crowdsourcing. Last time we had tracks and we had uh, field agent. We had companies that are responsible for fixed cameras like Focal, SES, Megatag, and InView. And we have shell scan robot companies on as well. Badger, Simbi, Brain, Zippity, just to name a few. 
if you were going to be talking to these solution providers, so no longer about retailers and suppliers, but solution providers, why should they come to you and talk to you about your product recognition solution rather than building their own? Because what I've seen most of the time is they build their own. What What's the advantage to, and again, this is for all of you, what's the advantage to using you guys versus building their own proprietary image recognition software? Whoever wants to take that one first. I, I'll take it. Um, so, I mean, we do see these uh, solution providers as partners. Uh, we have, in fact, uh, partnered with some of them, uh, especially the crowdsourcing uh, companies. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely crowdsourcing. I mean, all of them uh, bring their, bring different perspectives, different strengths, right? Uh, I mean, uh, from, from a core computer vision perspective, again, a, a focus for our company has been on fine-tuning this uh, technology to a very, very sharp way. That way, uh, uh, image recognition and the data digitization is done in a very accurate way right so we have seen uh, uh, from a technology perspective our algorithms are a lot more superior uh, at the same time the other players are bringing in other strengths right for example a crowdsourcing company brings in the field force a cheaper ways of taking pictures right and that is extremely important and and if we are partnering with them and then it, it the overall solution becomes a lot more uh, comprehensive and then valuable right so that way we have seen uh, we, we do see these as uh, uh, definitely complementary partners uh, and uh, an approach where where uh, uh, a combination of strengths uh, work together and then give better value to the end customer is uh, uh, is, is what what we have seen and and definitely that's an approach that we are taking. Yeah, awesome. Anybody else? That our our company vision is very holistic um, and not dissimilar to what was just said. You know, image recognition is, a, is one really key piece to that, and it's kind of the backbone of everything. But if you were to look back um, on our company acquisition strategy. We have acquired and partnered with many companies, both from crowdsourcing to uh, robots to shopper activation. And I think there's a certain culture within our company that acknowledges and knows that there are certain players that are always going to be better than us in certain things. And our goal is to be the one-stop shop for retail, not just for image recognition. And that lends itself very well to partnership opportunities and overall kind of growth within the industry. That's I think okay, great. Be, yeah. Thanks. Last question. Um, what's the roadmap look like? Where are we going to be two to five years from now in a in a in store? I'm going to say in store recognition. I'm not going to say product anymore because I think there's other opportunities besides just product. What's the next two to five years look like in terms of in store, you know, recognition of uh, what's going on at retail? Each one of you get about a minute or so to close it, and then we'll open it up for any final questions. Maybe I can go here and share my thoughts. I think our next five years are going to be crazy and super exciting as far as the technology is going to concern, right? With the amount of innovation, and, and uh, we can always look at what the past five years have been and the trajectory that we have been on in the past five years, right? Um, not just we have, the, the, the underlying technology has become far stronger. Um, we have now large scale case studies dealing with thousands and thousands of SKUs at scale, doing analysis on in, in within seconds, right? Detecting them in seconds. All of this was probably not possible five years back. And what I mean by this is that five years later, um, I think the kind of things that we are talking about are only going to get more bizarre in terms of the final output. So for example, you know, right now we still talk about image recognition through photos and we have done it on device, right? Uh, I think the next step is going to be videos, right? Where we can do, um, we'd be processing videos, uh, possibly videos on device as well, with very, very high accuracy. Um, maybe more KPIs on device itself, you know, some of the more difficult KPIs can also be done on device. All in, I'd also think that, you know, a different pieces of technology as Anand said, would come together in the next five years, right? You will see a more holistic uh, solution either um, be it by one vendor or be it by one supplier or multiple suppliers coming in together and sort of attacking this problem end to end, resulting in a much see more seamless solution than what we have today, right? For the for the end clients. So I think those are the few things which are definitely happening in the industry and um, definitely, you know, um, something which we as suppliers need to be um, need to know as well as the clients need to know what's what's happening next in the industry. Great. Anybody else yeah. want to take a shot? 
Yeah, I'll add one more point. Uh, I think this is primarily around uh, image recognition in very low light and very complex scenarios. Uh, so a lot of the uh, recognition or a lot of companies have worked in a uh, uh, developed market where there is nice arrangement of shelf, uh, larger stores, good lighting, right? Uh, but but I mean, as all, as all, all of us know, uh, the 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 uh, complex traditional trade and the, the developing markets is very very large, right? And image recognition has not been uh, playing a major role, probably. In the, for the past uh, few years but in the last few years we have seen like uh, the technology evolving uh, especially recognizing products in very low light conditions and very uh, uh, products that, that are not arranged well products that are inverted uh, right all, all sorts of complexities that come in uh, when when you go into smaller stores traditional trade stores developing market right and it opens up a big very big uh, opportunity because the number of stores are uh, are, are huge uh, the the value for the brands are also huge because these are the areas where there are growth opportunities for brands as well right uh, so I, I think image recognition is improving there uh, definitely a huge opportunity to digitize not just the uh, the large supermarkets and hypermarkets but across the globe uh, any type of stores any type of uh, uh, conditions uh, in which the store environments are present yeah. I, I think from a macro perspective retail is going to see a lot smarter demand forecasting and replenishment systems. There's a lot of really smart companies out there that use AI to um, really calibrate and get better at what products should they be ordering and you know putting in the back room and then putting on shelf so we can reduce overall waste, shrink, et cetera. Um, so I think with that, there's gonna be a very interesting dynamic from you know there's shelf holes everywhere during the pandemic to we might get better and better at closing those shelf holes because they're getting smarter with their ordering. I think everyone that said there's a rapid technology advance in image recognition at a lower cost is spot on. That's happening in front of our eyes right now. Um, we'll continue, I would say, to advance in autonomous data collection methods. Um, so less people and more uh, either robot or fixed hardware. And then I think the last thing that's probably going to happen here is around predictive analytics. And we're going to see them really increase in terms of getting really smart and calculated about using a lot of different variables to do the next best thing in store with the data that you already have. And I think that that opportunity is just huge to um, kind of take one big leap from where we are today. Yeah, this is Renish here again. Uh, I agree with uh, what all my fellow panelists had to say, um, including uh, the evolution of technology, which is uh, gaining pace, a uh, lot more data available now, which makes it uh, more actionable. Uh, one big interesting thing that that we see happening is a lot of suppliers are are able to move to what what we call as a store precision planogramming or being able to kind of plan for every single shelf in every single store in in every market that you operate right today uh, you a lot of suppliers use common planograms across uh, formats or in a large region but we see that some of our existing customers are at a position with the amount of data that we are able to get them to be able to drive towards a, a planogram for every single store that they operated. So uh, like highly customized planograms uh, based on the demographics, based on the shelf, uh, based on their supply chain. So we are able to bring together a lot of data to be able to offer uh, the ability to uh, kind of plan for every single shelf at every single store. So. Uh, and obviously, uh, other advancements like what uh, Mike was talking, uh, Matt was talking about in terms of uh, predicting, in terms of more automation in data capture, more automation in, even in the model training. Right. So today, uh, AI model training is probably the is a heavy lift. Right. Now, how do we bring in more automation there, uh, make that faster, make, make that more responsive? So that's where we see uh, this going. Awesome. Awesome. Did I get everybody's last kind of vision? I think I covered everybody. Ingram, did you, did you respond on two to five year vision? I did actually. Okay. That's, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I, I, you were the only one I wasn't sure about. So, well, um, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, we don't have any additional questions from any of the, uh, the participants. Uh, I just want to thank each one of you for taking time. Uh, in some cases, early Saturday morning. Uh, Anand, thank you very much. Uh, go to sleep and you can wake up on Tuesday if you want to. Uh, appreciate you guys doing this. This is the future. I, I really believe this. And I do believe 
automated data captures, uh, cameras, fixed cameras, robotics, but that that how do you take that information and turn it into insights? So Matt, to your point, somebody can actually do something about it. I think is the future. And I think I think the more we leverage this technology to make sure products are on the shelf, I think the better off you're going to be. I thank each one of you for your time. Uh, continued best luck of your in your business and uh, keep on developing. I think I think the future is uh, very, very bright in front of all of you. So thank you very much. Have a great weekend. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you. Mike. Thanks, guys. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast on product recognition software. Please feel free to reach out to any of those suppliers if you have an interest from a follow-up standpoint. Next time, we are back talking about RFID, and the specific topic is the ID in RFID. What companies are taking advantage of that serialized item level, whether it's an RFID tag or a 2D barcode? The ability to uniquely identify every single selling unit is a key unlock for the future technology in retail. Please join us then.